0: Good afternoon. Welcome. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. Very glad you are with us. Thanks a lot. Today, we're going to turn our focus to some of Maryland's counties. A little later in the program, I'll speak with Susan O'Neill of the Upper Shore Regional Council, which promotes economic development in Cecil, Queen Anne's, and Kent counties. But we begin with John Lee of the WIPR News Department, who covers Baltimore County. Good to see you, sir. Good to be back, Tom. So let's talk about this mixed use legislation Mm -hmm. controversy. This is a, a bill that has been proposed by County Executive Johnny Olszewski Jr. to the County Council. It's complicated. It is. Uh, There's lots of rules and regulations, uh, and there's lots of political dynamics about how much the council can get involved when it comes to development, uh, how much they should be involved. So uh, give us a little primer on what this is all about.
1: Well, you know, a mixed-use development is what it sounds like. You've seen them around. There are places that have like a combination of apartments. Restaurants. Uh, I think of Towson Rose, one that I know well, that has apartments, restaurants, a Whole Foods, you know, several different things in one place. That's, a, that's basically a mixed-use development. And so currently Baltimore County doesn't really have that zoning designation. They have kind of pieced together mixed-use developments like Towson Rose. But it doesn't really exist on the books. And so what the county executive is proposing is to have a mixed-use development uh, zoning. But the, uh, the wrinkle, more than a wrinkle really, that uh, he is proposing is that rather than this being something in the county council's purview, Uh, this would bypass the council a mixed use and uh, would basically go through the usual planning steps to get approval. It would only be in specific parts of the county. That's important to remember. Um, uh, And that's where it gets tied into the master plan, which you can talk about in a few minutes, which is that particularly economically disadvantaged parts of the county, uh, also places that have some some um, things uh, built in, like maybe transit, uh, that sort of thing, is what they're targeting with this mixed-use development. And what the county executive uh, would say, matter of fact, I think he talked to you about it when he was on your show a couple of weeks ago, was that this is a way to bring back some parts of the county that have really kind of withered on the vine that have become economically depressed, and you can use these types of mixed-use properties to kind of rejuvenate an area, and Towson is a good example of that, actually. That Towson Row, I think, has been something of an anchor to the rejuvenation of Towson. Uh, sounds good, but the county council is going to have a problem with that because the county council, their, you could argue, their main uh, power is zoning. Uh, They're in a process right now, they do it every four years of looking at every piece of property in Baltimore County for possible rezoning. So they are going to be hesitant to give up any of that authority, to hand that over to the executive branch. I have spoken to six out of seven of the council members, and all six of them either are planning to vote against it, or they have grave reservations about it. So it's going to have a, it's, it's a tough gig for that for that piece of legislation to get through the council. And the conversation about it's going to occur tonight, I believe. Is that right? Well, sort of. Actually, tonight is not that legislation. Tonight is the master plan. And they're tied together. Uh, the master plan is is a 10-year plan, even though because this one's about almost four years delayed, it feels more like a six-year plan. But anyway, a 10-year a plan that's sort of supposed to be like a, a guideline for development in the county. They are having a public hearing on that tonight. And what's going on there, what the administration would tell you, is that Baltimore County has a development problem. And that won't come as news to to most people. But the, the issue is that the county has you know, something called the Ertle, which is the urban-rural demarcation line. And so part of the county, a big chunk of the county, is preserved, so that major development can't happen there. You, know, you go up I-83, you get past Timonium, you can see it. You know, it's beautiful rural farmland. There's a reason for that. Um, development is discouraged in that part of the county. That means all of the development is crammed in, to the area around the city, basically, is where the development can happen. And they are running out of space to develop. They they think that within the next 20 years, there simply won't be developable land anymore. That brings you back to the mixed-use, which is what County Executive Oshefsky would say, is that that's what we're going to use, mixed-use development, kind of re- retrofitting these areas that have like old shopping centers and stuff like that, figuring out different uses for property that had been developed before, redeveloping it in a different way and perhaps using this mixed-use uh, development.
0: And uh, Lutherville Station is one such place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an old shopping center that's long been abandoned. It's near public transit. There's a developer that wants to build some apartments, uh, have some stores, have some restaurants, uh, have that there. And there are people in that area around Lutherville Station uh, who have signs on their front yards that say, save suburbia, no apartments, uh, no uh, no development. Um, this really does become uh, an issue of you know what is the nature of suburbia if you live in a place like Lutherville I guess you want it to, to be more suburban than urban um, but as you say uh, there's a housing shortage there's an mm-hmm. affordable housing shortage the county's under a consent decree to build more affordable housing uh, that's been going on since you know Kevin Kamenitz was the county executive uh, of blessed memory and um, where, where does that stand? That particular development, Lutherville Station.
1: Well, yeah, it's it's tangled into all of this too. Um, you, if, if the mixed-use development were to pass, then theoretically you would think that then that might give this development a green light. It would be able to bypass council. And however, uh, council it's in Councilmember Wade Catch's district. He is strongly opposed to this mixed-use legislation. Uh, in an in a Email to his constituents, he he wor- he warned about the urbanization of that York Road corridor, which runs from Towson right up into uh, Lutherville-Timonium, and then where you know, thousands of apartments could suddenly be be there where you once thought that there was just a business. Next thing you know, there are there are hundreds, if not thousands, of apartments. So he's been warning about that. But you're right. I mean, the, the county has a has a serious affordable housing issue. They know it. They're trying to address it. And, Tom, this also brings up, I want to bring up something else that's tied to this but hasn't gotten a lot of play yet because, frankly, it's been sitting on a shelf for years, and it's called the Adequate Public Facilities Ordinance. That was something that a task force looked at several years ago, and basically what they were trying to do was, was come up with rules that would protect schools from getting overcrowded by development. Uh, Currently, there's all kinds of loopholes that developers can run through to build apartments in school districts that are already overcrowded. So they're trying to close those loopholes. And there are some who say, who have told me that we need to do that first. You know, let's protect the school districts first. Let's protect them from from being just uh, overcrowded. And then we can talk about mixed use and that sort of thing. But but that... um, Public facilities ordinance, like I said, has been on the shelf for several years. Uh, it has a lot of opposition from developers, um, as well as people who w- say we need affordable housing. They're not they're not big fans of it either. John Lee covers Baltimore County for WIPR in our newsroom.
0: If you have a question or comment about Lutherville Station, about the mixed-use proposal, about any of the issues going on in Baltimore County, we'd love to hear from you. Our number here at Midday, 410-662-8780. Our email, midday at WIPR.org. So, John, as you mentioned, concern about school overcrowding very much at the heart Mm -hmm. of this uh, issue. Uh, The guy who's trying to develop lutherville station a developer named mark renbaum has already revised his plan to have fewer units he was going to have some three-bedroom apartments he's gotten rid of those in mm-hmm. the apartment building he's planning to build um, uh, in response to uh, concerns about school overcrowding and other concerns uh, but renbaum, uh, there there's a good piece you've done a lot of great reporting about this as has Hallie miller from the baltimore banner um, you know, Mr. Rimbaud is basically saying uh, there's a no compromise uh, point of view, a no, no, no compromise strategy on, on the part of the, the people who are living uh, in that area. They just they don't want to hear anything about, uh, you know, making uh, accommodations. Uh, and they, they just simply oppose the whole notion uh, but again, if ever there were a place that there should be <laughs> an apartment building, a retail stores, restaurants, pl- places for people to gather, it's right next to the public transit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's you know, it, it's it's sitting there waiting to be developed as something, isn't it?
1: Yeah, you look at that piece of property, and you would think it it makes perfect sense that somebody would want to develop something there. Um, but if you talk to account to council members about it, what they'll tell you, and, I, and several of them have told me this, which, which is that. We are the part of local government closest to the people, and so we are hearing their concerns um, much more so than the administration is. For instance, you know, Councilman Catch or Councilman Toka—that's they, what they would tell you. Uh, the flip side that, of that, though, is—and uh, actually, the the Banner article this morning made a made a, a great point about that—is that should the people in the community have veto power over? any type of development that might come along, or, do, or does somebody need to be taking a step back and look at the big picture when it comes to development in Baltimore County? And then we, then we go back to the master plan, which is what that's supposed to be. That is supposed to be the big picture, development of this sort makes sense here and here. This part area over here needs development, we should think about this bigger view of what should happen in Baltimore County over the next 10 years, as opposed to, well, this neighborhood here, this neighborhood there, they're opposed to this, they're opposed to that. Just kind of taking a step back. Uh, so that's that's sort of in a nutshell what the argument is. Council members want to have control. They say we're, we're the closest to the ground. We're talking to the people. And then you have the administration saying, we're looking at the bigger picture here.
0: It's interesting because you can imagine a scenario where if the council members are directly involved in every single development decision, uh, they're going to hear from their constituents that they never want any development. Right. Nobody wants things to be more crowded. Nobody wants less parking. Nobody wants you know, more density, uh, especially if you choose to live in you know, the suburbs like Lutherville, Timonium, et cetera. If you live downtown in Baltimore or New York or Philadelphia or Boston, you 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 know you're you know what you're getting, and, and in fact, uh, a lot of people prefer that environment uh, to a suburban environment. But uh, you you can't imagine a situation where you know the neighbors are going to uh, rise up and say, oh please, you know, bring more people.
1: <laughs> That's right. But 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 the the flip side of that would be um, uh, uh, administration or developers saying, look, if we don't grow, if we don't if we don't develop. Then you start running the risk of, of your tax base taking a hit, and when your tax base takes a hit, then people start talking about increasing taxes. Uh, so what do you do? Uh, and so again, you would look at the uh, at a, perhaps a master plan that would have sort of a, a kind of a, a bigger step back, kind of thinking about a, a a view of how to develop. But on the other hand, as you say, you know you're living in that neighborhood, and and the analogy that Councilman Katz used at our recent council meeting uh, was that. You're living next door to a business. There's just a business there. And then the next thing you know, there's going to be 900 apartments there, you know, and, and you had no control over it. And he, as a council member, had no control over that, even though it's his district and his constituents.
0: Let's go to the phones to Karen. Karen, welcome to Midday with John Lee of the WIPR News Department.
2: Hi. Southern California originally, but I, I lived out here for about 35 years, and I just moved home in 21 to take care of aging parents. And I live an hour south of Los Angeles in Orange County, um, which is you know a, a varied area. It's very expensive down there, though. And what they're doing right now in Laguna Hills, which is kind of where I live, um, they took an old really down-at-the-hills shopping center, tore it down, and now it's going to be a very nice-looking um, mixed-use kind of situation with um, housing and you know in some retail but also some green space and um, I think it's a great idea <laughs> I mean it's the rents there are, are are even more than here I would say we're I say our oh, where I live it's about in between Baltimore and New York so we're not like as expensive as New York City for instance but we're probably a one and a half times the rent for the same kind of um, real estate I mean I think there's a recognition that you know people can this can't afford to pay 50, 60, 70% of their of their income for like rent or a mortgage or anything. It's it's just not reasonable. I think this place is only going to be rent uh, apartments. So I don't think there's any condos or anything.
0: And is there a lot of local opposition because the density is going to increase?
2: So, I think I came after it already been approved. I think that it was in the works and like probably 2018 to 2020. So I'm not sure, but nobody's fighting it right now. I think I think people just realize this is just what it has to be, you know. And most people just want to be there for a lot of reasons, family or the weather. The weather is nice. Um, or they're natives and they never want to go anywhere else to live.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. Well, thanks, Karen. I appreciate that perspective. Of course, California real estate prices, you know, uh, infamously, uh, incredibly uh, high, uh, but it's interesting to see uh, some parallels and some you know great distinctions between the challenges Baltimore County is facing and those of the city. School overcrowding is an issue. Mm-hmm. School uh, <laughs> undercrowding in the city of Baltimore is an issue. So you know when it comes to schools and how many uh, kids can fit in each classroom and where they are and uh, you know are they spread out? Uh, around the county, or are they, they concentrated? Uh, it's going to be an interesting thing. And this notion of the council members themselves being the closest to the people, there's also uh, some movement to expand the number of council members on the council. They've been talking about this for a while. Where mm-hmm. do things stand like like that? Now, you know, the Baltimore County is the third largest jurisdiction in the state, what, 850,000 mm-hmm. people? Something exactly like right. That? So, uh, there are those who say the current council, which is uh, eight members, seven, seven uh, is not enough to adequately represent all those people.
1: Right. It's been the same number since the charter was put in place in 1956, and it had seven council members then, seven council members now. Uh, the population has almost tripled, somewhere between doubling and tripling in size. Uh, In 1960, I believe there was about... uh Uh, What was it, about uh, 70,000 people per council district? And now it's 122,000 people per council district. So because of the the growth and the... uh, And by the way, just to compare, in mm -hmm. the city of Baltimore, it's about 40,000 per Uh, council Mm -hmm. person. That's interesting. Uh, And so those who want to expand the council said that's just too many people for one council member to be able to represent. Uh, We need to have either increase it to nine or some were even saying... 11. And another reason they want to expand it is that if you look at the Baltimore County Council, it's seven guys, uh, no women on the council, uh, and there's one black member uh, in a in a county that's 30% black. And it's also a county that's almost 50% minority majority, uh, meaning that you know, the white members, the white residents make up about 50% of the county, and non whites make up about the other 50%. But, but Nonetheless, you have, uh, you have a, an all-male and six out of seven white member council. So if you had more districts, the thinking is that would, then you would have a more diverse council, um, open it up to women, open it up to minorities. Everything costs, and they, ha- they are looking at it right now. There's a, there's a commission that is studying it, and they have figured out that it would cost around um, $675,000 a year to add a new seat. Uh, and then you also—they are looking at a renovation of the um, historic courthouse, where the council offices are, of about twelve million dollars to make room. And on top of that, if they ended up expanding the council to nine or to eleven, you'd have to do the redistricting process again. And if you remember the redistricting process in Baltimore County, oh, it uh, got messy uh, was, the last was, time. <laughs> was messy. It ended up in court, uh, it, and it took a while to get that all sorted out. So. There is that, there, uh, but uh, it has a lot of support. County executive supports it, even though he doesn't really get a vote in it, but he supports it, uh, expanding to nine. And so where it is right now is that you have a, a commission that's looking at it. They're going to make a recommendation to the council. I believe it's by the end of March. And then the council will decide whether to put the issue on the ballot in November. It will go to the voters eventually because it would have to be added to the charter. So I... My, What's your take on how my, the voters will go with that one? Uh, my Well, my guess is, and this is strictly a guess, I know nothing really, but uh, I think there'll be a recommendation to go to 9, and then and that will be something that will go to the voters. And um, you think the voters will uh, approve that? Well, rule of thumb is that those charter amendments usually pass, yeah, right? Yeah. So you would think so, but but we'll see. Uh, uh, there's, there's also been the, the other argument, which is to keep it at 7, partly because of the cost, and maybe just add staffing. to the the current council member's office so they could work, have that many constituents and be able to work with them. That doesn't really get to the other issue though, which is the diversity issue. Interesting.
0: And of course, again, uh, just by comparison, there's a ballot initiative that's being supported by the owners of uh, Fox 45, Sinclair Broadcasting, David Smith Uh, in Baltimore. It'll be on the ballot to reduce the Mm -hmm. size of the city council here in Baltimore from 14 members to eight, so uh, going the opposite way. but again. Baltimore City population declining. Baltimore County not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit in our last couple of minutes here about Johnny Olszewski and his future. Uh, it's nobody. Nobody was at all surprised when Dutch Ruppersberger announced that he would, in fact, retire, and he waited till almost the deadline to file for, with the Board of Elections to run. Um, uh, John Shevsky uh, jumped into the race, so he's running for Congress. If he wins, he doesn't finish his term as county executive. So, what happens at that point?
1: Well, if you and rem- by the way, if he wins, yes, the guy. A couple of ifs. He's got to win the primary first, uh, and then he's got to win the general election. But I mean, you're right. But looking at it right now, he's he's in a pretty good position to do both. He's what he, his name recognition is very good. Of course, uh, he's got a lot of money. He's already got like four hundred thousand dollars raised, so he's well positioned. If he does win in November and he needs to step down for his last two years as county executive, what would happen is the county council would check, would, would pick the next county executive. And you may remember this happened, unfortunately, a few years ago when Kevin Kaminitz died in office. Yeah, he passed away suddenly, right. And so uh, the council decided. Uh, to uh, actually promote his chief of staff, Don Moeller, to county executive. And so what will happen, it's it's sort of an interesting... uh, So there'll be a new election on the regular cycle. Correct.
0: You know, four years after uh, Mr. Olszewski started his term two years ago. That's
1: right. Somebody would be picked to finish that term. And the, the interesting parlor game, political parlor game in Towson right now is which way will the council go? Will they pick one of their own to finish the term? And there's a couple of guys who would just love to be county executive currently on the county council. Or would they do what they did last time and pick somebody not on the council, Uh, in that case Don Moeller, to, uh, to finish the term. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, if, if it comes to that, we'll see what happens. And Johnny
0: Olszewski's chief of staff is uh, stepping down, or has just stepped down, if I recall correctly, mm. right? Isn't I don't right? think so. Oh, OK, no. I have that wrong? OK, I thought it was somebody who was maybe the chief administrative officer.
1: Or oh, something. oh, yes, 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 This yeah. his, his administrative officer. So that's administrative is, officer. Excuse is, is me, I, I misspoke. Down. It's, not, it's she, not chief of staff. Yeah, she is. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, but of course, if they pick, if the council picks someone currently on the council, to fill the term these last two years, that person could run uh, for county council, uh, county executive. Oh, sure. You know, uh, with a, you know, one would think a pretty strengthened position having been in the job for
1: nearly a couple of years. And the current council chairman, Izzy Patoka, has made it no secret. He would like to be county executive one day, and Councilman Julian Jones, the previous chairman, uh, as well.
0: Yeah. And in the uh, second district uh, where Johnny Olszewski is in the Democratic primary, Kim Klasik, who's run for Congress uh, at least one other time, mm-hmm. uh, is also on the Republican side of that ticket. Uh, she, I would imagine, is uh, you know pretty well positioned as well, given her name recognition. She's a tele- uh, radio talk show host mm-hmm. with a couple of different stations over the last few years, a very uh, Trump oriented uh, Republicans. That'll be an interesting race, and we will keep an eye on it. And
1: she's going to be able to probably raise a lot of money Yeah, and make it competitive.
0: And the money can come from uh, all sorts of places outside of uh, the second district, that's mm-hmm. for sure. That's right. All right. WIPR's John Lee covers Baltimore County. Appreciate it, as always. Thank you much. Midday on the counties. will continue on the other side of a quick break. Susan O'Neill of the Upper Shore Regional Council will join me to talk about the issues that are top of mind in Queen Anne's, Cecil, and Kent counties. It's Midday. I'm Tom Hall. You can join our conversation at 410-662-8780 or email midday at wipr.org. Stay with us.
1: You're listening to Baltimore's NPR News Station, 88.1 WYPR.